Listener Production. Shares. Market. The S&P. The ISX. Stocks. This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that tries not to put extra zeros on earnings releases. I am Scott Phillips without an extra zero, and he is Andrew Page, who only ever puts the zeros after the decimal place because he's that kind of guy. Mr. Page, how are you? Very good, sir. I don't, I don't get out of bed for less than six zeros. <laughs> before or after the decimal place? Speaking, speaking of zeros, but before, of course. Of course. I, uh, for those who are not as old as us, uh, famously, Linda Evangelista, supermodel to the stars. I don't think she's been around for a while. Uh, famous that she wouldn't get out of bed for less than $10,000 a day, hence the, uh, yep. hence the reference, which is um, also very dated. I imagine the supermodels get a million dollars a day or something those days, do they? I don't know. No, we don't get that much. I'll let that one slide. Mr. <laughs> Mr. Page, I was I, I did notice a tweet during the week. Uh, someone asked me what straw man was, and I, I thought that was interesting because I, I, I didn't really have a good answer. I, I thought maybe someone suggested it was a Bitcoin miner. Someone else said, well, I, I suggested maybe it was a, a fund that shorts the housing market. Uh, maybe they're referring to our regular conversations about both of those topics. Is it possible it's about something else? I, I just, you know, I'm, not, I'm not asking for myself. <laughs> I, I, I made a vow at the beginning of the year. I, well, it wasn't really a vow. Uh, I said I wouldn't do it anymore, so I'm not going to. But I, but I also feel like... It was a non-core can... promise is what it was. It was. <laughs> Exactly. We have a circumstances changed. What, uh-huh. what am I supposed to do? Those circumstances where our, our listeners via Twitter wanted to know. I have a suspicion, a very strong suspicion. There were some tongues in cheeks, but given we are nothing if not responsive to our listeners, on behalf of our listeners, I don't care. I don't want to know. It's not about me. What what is Strawman? So Strawman is uh, reopen. Um, we don't often take in new members. And what is Strawman is what I asked you. <laughs> and for those that are curious as to what it is, I say head over to the website. <laughs> if you've got it, if you're a little bit brighter than Scott here, you'll you'll very quickly work out exactly what oh, it is. Dear, dear. And uh, yeah, we're looking to uncover some some more great investors. So come come join the cult. Come join our, our crazy ragtag group of, of, of insane capital allocators. Siri, what is a gratuitous plug? Well, Scott, it's Andrew talking about strawman.com. Thank you. Thank you. Only happens a couple of times a year, so you gotta, you know, you gotta <laughs> shout it from the rooftops when it happens. Apparently also Australia's premier and or private online investment club. That's as I, the one. As I'm as I'm reassured, it is open it. to new members. And uh, yes, thanks to Andrew Gratuitous plug. Uh, yeah, check out check out strawman.com. Um, as I've said many, many, many times, he and I, sometimes we're kind of, you know, the businesses are, are quasi-competitors, but not really, uh, more frenemies than anything. But the reality is, in this industry, there is more than enough rubbish stuff to go around, as you'll know if you listen to us regularly. So check out strawman.com. Go to The Fool as well. But uh, Strawman is open right now, so give that a give that a red-hot go. Shameless. Purely purely shameless promotion, but let's, let's get on with it. Shameless doesn't even start to describe it. No. <laughs> Uh, what are we going to talk about? <laughs> Isn't that it? That's all you want to talk about, wasn't it? All right. Yeah. Good Good to chat. See you next week. <laughs> I did say on Twitter that uh, I would one day disclose the con- details of the contract that obliged me to talk about Stormin every week. But uh, <laughs> That's it. It's for now, my, my lawyer tells, tells me I cannot uh, neither confirm nor deny the fact there was a, a contract obliging me to do certain things on this podcast. Otherwise, I'll see you in court. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Um, I don't, I'm trying to think of a good segue from there. I have none. So I'm going to simply pause. And then start talking again. Okay. Let's uh, let's talk about the week because we'll start with the macro as we do. Uh, U.S. inflation. This was you know, I, I'm often asked about 
the market and kind of what's going on and stuff like that. And I, I say regularly, I'm always happiest being in the optimist in a room of pessimists, right? Because if everyone else is thinking it's rubbish, I'm like, cool, it's going to get better from here. I'm good with that. You know, it's there's something about, I don't know if it's a low expectations thing or something else. If you start with a position of everyone else is freaking out, it's like, well, I know things are going to get better. And if you're freaking out, I'm probably getting a good price. I'm good with that. When the reverse is true, I'm not a, I'm never a pessimist, but when everyone else is optimistic, it's kind of like, and I've said this before in different contexts, the tide's all the way in here. You know, at, at worst, it doesn't go out. Uh, sorry, best it doesn't go out. At worst, well, what do tides do? And mm-hmm. so this week, we saw the US market fall by about 1.7%, I think, in a single day because inflation was kind of maybe slightly worse than people expected. And you kind of, I just, I, I know you've said before and I've said before, when I say this stuff, you say, who cares? We'll take advantage of their pessimism. And you're, you're absolutely right. I just, I just the, I think it's the, the issue I have with people presuming that investors or traders or speculators are somehow smart. The smart money is saying, well, the market's worth this. When everyone said, oh, inflation's going to fall, it's like, well, if it does, then good. It's going to be as good as we expect. If it doesn't, there's only bad news coming, right? And so that's exactly mm. what happened this week. US inflation did actually fall to 3.1%, but the market was hoping for 29 Core inflation, so-called core inflation, every bank has their own de- de- definition of these things. Their version of core inflation was steady at 3.9%. Uh, and frankly, the falling inflation, that's the reason inflation is lower than core inflation is because all that discretionary spending is, is kind of you know washing away. Mm. Um, but the market <laughs> kind of freaked out. The Aussie dollar fell by 1.2%. All these things happened just because investors got way too optimistic and kind of presumed that you know, in the balance of probabilities, everything's going to be great. And there was no chance of something going badly until, funnily enough, it did. So that's a way of starting with uh, inviting you to talk about two things, mate. Firstly, the inflation itself. And secondly, should you choose to, the market response. It's so funny. It's the topic we can't get away from. Isn't it? And it's the topic we always end up with sort of saying, well, you know, the, the, the game plan <laughs> remains unchanged. Exactly. <laughs> yes, yes. Buy some good businesses at good prices and chuck them under the mattress. Oh, man, so it's- yeah. So, it, but it is, it is, it is fascinating to watch. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's, I tend to try and think more mm-hmm. broadly and more directionally than, yeah. you know, quarter to quarter, read to read. Markets are always forward looking, so they've got to try and somehow price this mm-hmm. in. I think we sort of over-dramatize these moves more than, more than what we should, but- yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, inflation is is a real problem. It's it's getting very political too. Yeah, isn't it? um, it's really well beyond sort of something that's just the purview of, of finance yeah. uh, and investing. You know, it's yeah. it's really entered the mainstream. Uh, example A being Biden during the Super Bowl yes. with his ad on shrinkflation and, and, yeah. and posting a picture with laser eyes. Uh, let it let it be said, which was very funny. <laughs> that was funny. Um, Yellen got grilled. Um, and was and was sort of making the case that well inflation's up and it's higher than we want but at least wages have risen as well, um, which didn't go down too well because obviously yeah. one hasn't risen as fast as as the right, other. Right, that's exactly yeah. Who, um, who'd be and, a politician by the way? When I mean they make, they make their own beds, right? But at some point they they, they bag the other guys for wrecking the economy. They say they're going to fix the economy, knowing for what was never the other guy's fault, or they really can't actually fix it themselves. So they yeah. absolutely and same with Elbow making the stupid will push power prices down promises like it's just it is just Dumb. complete stupidity but Dumb. also i do feel a little bit sorry for them when it's kind of like the, the waves of economic circumstance wash over you and either you look like a genius because people say this about trump oh trump fixed the economy look how well it did and then biden came over and look how badly it's done it's like 
none of that. And it could have been the other way around, right? So I'm not. It's not a political comment. It's just like yeah. It's just. It's just not that they, they don't have. You change tax policy a little bit. You change some settings that might either have a little bit of a bump in a single industry or have a great twenty or thirty year. You know, if you deregulate the economy as we did in the eighties, that's we're still benefiting from that. So you can do things that make a difference, but mm. in a single term, it's just madness. Yeah, and I, I think, frankly, more often than not, they get in the way of the economy. Yeah, <laughs> probably right. Too. You know, not the, that's a slippery slope of, yeah, uh, of yeah. thinking. But there is just, I think there is a, you know, broadly there's a lot mm-hmm. of misallocation of capital and all, and all the rest of it. So it, it's, it's funny. It's, it's kind of thinking that, we, you know, we've got someone, you know, a Bureau of Weather who controls the weather. You know, you, you're right. It's just, it is what it is largely. And you, you kind of need to set up an appropriate policy framework and tax setting and then just get out of the way. I would, I would strongly argue the more you try and sort of, shave the edges off things, which has the noblest of intentions, it just creates bigger distortions to my view, which creates bigger problems. And I, as I've said before, I think a lot of the issues we're dealing with now are echoes uh, of, of what happened, you know, in, in 2009 and 2000 before that, you know? So I don't know. I think inflation is, you know, my view on it, mate. I think the, the big thing that no one ever really wants to talk mm. about too much is mm. that it's just you want to talk about broad settings. You've got a government that has a huge deficit, the largest economy in the world. They're now paying a trillion dollars annually in interest, $34 trillion in debt, not not including the off-balance sheet debt as well, which is massive. Um, and, you know, maths just comes into it at some point. So the, the, you, you make the way that you sort of don't default on everything and you sort of keep it all together mm. is that you effectively get the Fed Reserve to, to take up the slack and buy the extra bonds and fund stuff and just it creates more money in the system and inflation's a complex beast i know there's a lot of moving parts to it but keep every, all else being equal a lot more units of currency in the system is going to lead to inflation and i think that's that's yeah. the point that i keep coming back to yeah that's um it, it is not, not, there are there are no laws of physics in economics right Th- things no. it, it's human behavior and and none of the circumstances have been you know physics or maths is pretty absolute right because there's only a certain number of uh, possibilities they're not circumstance dependent all that kind of stuff or if they are circumstance dependent you can put that in the equations uh when it comes to economics it's really hard and i say that only as preamble to say that there's also it's also reasonably true that there are some very 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 strong you know theories because they're not laws they're theories and that's kind mm-hmm. of the scientific difference mm-hmm. but they're kind of yep. they're, they're so strong to the point of being you know all but laws right and one of those absolutely is yeah. it's just supply and demand 101 it's if there's more demand for a given level of supply prices yeah. go up but they just do right and it's yeah. i mean is there other circumstances where it doesn't i suppose but but realistically not really i mean the circumstance just- where it doesn't is where that extra money gets put to very productive use yeah and that's a hard thing to, yeah. d- to know in advance what is and what what isn't going to be and you know so but but that's the only extenuating circumstance so in that context, as you say, you know, more money chasing the same number of goods is is problematic, and that's why we end mm-hmm. up with the inflation that we've got. Um, yep. Governments haven't helped, of course, by running high, further higher and higher debts. Where, uh, and again, as we've talked about a million times, we get the banking system, but you know, the money's got to come from somewhere, but it gets multiplied through the system, and those mm-hmm. who wouldn't otherwise be spending it would have banked it. Now yep. it's being spent because someone else has borrowed it. So even even if it mm-hmm. isn't. Even if we're not increasing the money supply, we're changing the the propensity to spend uh, mm-hmm. for those who have the cash. Even if they do, I will back later. Um, that that whole thing continues to be an issue. So the combination of of you know in, uh, money printing and and government debt is going to be one of those things that that is problematic until and unless someone tries to actually have a look at it. The the good news on inflation for mine, mate, is if you look at the last. I don't know if we talked about this when we when we um, talked about Australian inflation last time. But the quarterly number is only 0.6%. Mm. 
Yeah. So and, and you can you can't you let me be very clear you can't just multiply it by four and annualize it and pretend that's a number because mm-hmm. things fluctuate in the quarters, right? Mm-hmm. So you know there's no there's very 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 little likelihood that the inflation is exactly zero point six percent for the next three quarters. But if it was, if we did have that level of inflation continue through the economy for the next three quarters, we'd be at an annual rate of two point four percent, a touch under what the RBA wants. Yep. And that's kind of you know that that's that's really really good news. So conceptually. Um, we're, we're in a pretty good place. The Yanks, frankly, part of the issue over there is they have a lower target than we have. Um, and so they are likely not to cut as early as we would because th- they're simply further away from their target, uh, which is kind of funny in, a, in its own self. But that, that, was the, that was the market response, just to kind of you know, flesh this out. Basically, uh, investors, bond traders are looking at that going, okay, well, if it's higher than we thought, then Jerome Powell and the US Fed won't cut rates as early as we thought they might. And that, that's literally what's behind all of this. It's why the dollar, Australian dollar, fell against the US, um, et cetera, et cetera. It's all, all, you know, it's why the, the share market fell, because those interest rates are functions of exchange rates. They're functions of, of share prices mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. company profitability. So that's, that's kind of what happened in terms of just setting it up for our listeners why, I won't even say why we care, but why the market cared, why there was a, a response and a reaction to it. It's kind of a, it's kind of a big deal. Yeah. And just on that political angle, I think too what what is frustrating for people is, I mean, just to point out the obvious, when people, it gets reported as inflation is coming down, which yeah. is strictly true in the way that inflation is is defined. Right, right, yes. It doesn't mean prices are coming down. Correct. Yes. Right. The the rate at which prices are getting more expensive is coming down. Correct. And, yes. and I know it's a very obvious point, but it doesn't often get made, and just. Anecdotally, when I'm talking to people, mm-hmm. I think that's the assumption that, that, that often yeah. gets made. It's like acceleration and speed, right? You, you travel yes. at a certain speed. If you stop accelerating, you're still traveling mm-hmm. at the speed you were traveling at before you stopped accelerating. Yep, absolutely. Um, uh, the other thing I have I wanted to just point out as well, I don't know if you saw on uh, Twitter oh, or your, your preferred uh, social platform, <laughs> the RBA, uh, oh, sorry, the, the New Zealand Central Bank, um, comments? No, I did not. I the board was there or something. They were being interviewed, or and and uh, there's a clip in there. That one of the guys. I'm sorry, I don't, I'm not familiar with the cast uh, at the RBNZ. <laughs> um, it, it was was basic saying, "Oh, the great thing about being a central bank is that we can print our own money." And touch wood, for some reason, people tend to believe it, and everyone else sort of laughs at the table and they get on with the meeting. And it was just a very what <laughs> like that, and it, it, it it's just a little reminder of how crazy. It all, mm. it all kind of is in a way. Yeah, it's a worry. Um, <laughs> I mean, not, I'm not trying to say that it's a bad thing. That, no, that's no, just no. the nature of money. Like, what, way, what do we accept it, it to be? Yeah, but it's correct. it's funny when it's said so candidly and so openly. Yeah. You know, it's just sort of like, well, we do this. And for some reason, people, people, you know, believe it. And touch, yeah, he touches yeah. his head, touch wood, and everyone laughs. And it's kind of I, like, I'm, yep. I'm listening to Charlie, poor Charlie's Almanac. Uh, oh, yeah. with the audio book of the, of the physical book I've, I've also got a copy of. Um, and Charlie talks about, it's really, it kind of goes back, this kind of takes full circle back to the point of, you know, economics having no laws, but just theories, is we kind of, you know, the, the it's a, such a great book. So please do yourselves a favor, uh, listeners, grab a copy, your audio or, or physical, um, Kindle if you choose to, whatever, whatever you want to go. Have you still got a Kobo, Andrew? 
Can I raise that one? I've got it somewhere, but I don't use it. Yeah. <laughs> Have you got a Kindle I, I yet? Get, I gave up. I do. Oh, yes, there you I go. Do. There you yeah. go. Famously, uh, just a, a, a hark back to our original working uh, together. Um, someone's had a Kindle and had a Kobo, uh, which is which is always a, a source of- I went, I went Betamax when the world went VHS. <laughs> yeah, yes, Even though it was there. better, it didn't quite catch on. Exactly. Very quick segue, though. Yeah, Very important investment lesson here. We have to, we have to call oh, this out. Yeah, is, yeah. yeah. Network effects, you know, yeah, huh? there, there things tend. There are certain markets and product sets where things tend to zero. Oh, yeah. sorry, tend to one, not to zero. Uh, and that was a great example, right? And it's no matter how much of a fanboy Kobo I wanted to be, and maybe it still exists in some way, <laughs> yeah, shape, or form. Probably. You know, there, there's one standard for ebooks. Anyway, That's continue. Really no, really good continue. point. Um, so, uh, what was sorry, that mate, one? I break you. I break no, you. I got, I got, no, I'm going with that one. Um, oh yes, the, the, so back at the book, the book. Charlie Munger is giving a, a, a one of the talks, and he talks about Max Planck. I think it's Planck, uh, the, Planck, the scientist, physicist, physicist, mm-hmm. and he basically wouldn't do economics because he didn't like the fact that people wouldn't react the way they were supposed to react in the books. <laughs> yeah. And it was kind of and Munger makes the point just in kind of in passing, but it's a really really important one because it's exactly that, right? For all of for all of the physical laws that exist, the whole economy works effectively on trust. It, yeah. it is it is literally that idea. I said trust. It's probably even more basic than that. It's shared shared belief, shared meaning. Yep. And that's literally all the whole thing is. Will yep. I get paid back? Do I believe the banks will be there? Do I think governments are going to do the right thing? Do I need to have a shotgun and baked beans? Uh, am I going to get paid? Is my job safe? Those questions that, you know, and we've seen around the world, when those when those shared meanings break down, the way economies tend to implode is, is exactly that. Once you lose trust in the system, um, and I don't mean trust in a currency sense, i.e., you know, fiat currency or Bitcoin or anything else. I mean, I mean the the, the, inter, the interaction of people is, is fundamentally what it's about, right? Because at the end no, of the day, no, I, I disagree. I, I, I mean, I, I mean, actually, I wholeheartedly, one hundred percent agree. Right. But it's just that the money is the mediation of that. Correct. I mean, exactly. I'm holding, whether right. I'm holding a pineapple, an Aussie pineapple, fifty dollar note, yeah. or some virtual monkey token, it doesn't it doesn't really matter as, as long as I've got faith and, as you say, and trust in it. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Because that, that idea of, and again, but even then it's like the, the it, it's, it's things like contract law and, and, you know, it's, it's money related, but it's even, you know, am I going to, am I going to get what I think I'm going to get? You know, yeah. is my boss going to, is my boss going to reward me for my work? Are my yeah. customers going to pay me? And yes, it's about. I guess I'm just saying the money is the, is the, is I, the, I agree the, the trust, so, yes. so to speak. It is the yes. mechanism through which It's a representation we, of it. It's I, the I mean, representation I, of it. I, I so when, broader, when money, when money no. breaks, if you look at Lebanon, you look at Argentina, you look at any right, place exactly. in the world where things have gone awry, the exactly. currency never does well, right? Yeah. And it's yeah. kind of, and, and the reason is it's not because of something inherent in the currency itself other right. than those in control of the currency abuse that. And that is where the trust breaks down. And when the trust breaks down, to your wider point, everything else kind of breaks down. Yeah. And what do you do? You get rid of your money. You put it in hard ass. I put it in property, mm-hmm. right? Like whatever happens to the currency, I own this I own this land, right? And that is yeah. something that's super powerful. And maybe, maybe not, uh, you know, a, a potential factor in, in some of the house price appreciation we've seen here and around the world. Mm. Anyway. So I'm I'm agreeing with you, mate. I'm just sort of saying. Yeah, that's right. I, I don't think you can divorce. I think the money is the central realization of what you're saying. I think I probably agree. I think I probably agree. Although it's, not a particular money. 
I really, I promise you, I'm not trying to segue. No, 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 I'm really not. But yeah, but I'm not saying either. Either dollars or Bitcoin, right? It could, it could be, as you say, it could be something else. It could be seashells. The shared, the shared understanding of value or acceptance of value. Yeah, it represented as money in in all these cases. But that's kind of. I just want to make the point. It doesn't matter which. Whether you're a Bitcoin fan or not, fair currency fan or not, whether you don't care or not, I just want to make the point that it's, yep. it's the and shared. Right. It's the shared. You know, I think it's worth this. You think it's worth that. My can is worth 100%. an hour. My can of coke's worth an hour's labour. That's yep. the that's the trade off. Hundred percent. That's what not, it is. We're not working an hour for a can of coke for the. Well, God help us. God help us though if we're paying an hour's work for a <laughs> exactly. can of coke. Though. Well, made in Argentina. That's probably exactly there. What you go. There you go. Well. I mean, that's that's yep. that's why that's why trust is is so important. Hey, yep. um, let's let's move off the the macro a little bit, but not much. Um, Let's bring it home. The uh, Australian economy uh, is going to have an interesting 2024. Michelle Bullock was pretty upbeat at the press conference uh, and also when she spoke to the parliamentarians, basically saying it's a narrow path, but I kind of think we're on track. I, <laughs> Don't they always? <laughs> well, I, it was more kind of, it was more, I think she was more saying we're further along that line. Like it, it, it's, it's, okay. you know, the, the flight, the, the glide path, we're, we're further down the glide path and still on track rather than, right. you know, anything else. I, I say that for a couple of reasons. Um, Matt Common, the CBA boss, we'll talk about the CBA results in a second as a, as a nice segue. He was in the media on Thursday morning, recording on Thursday morning, or maybe it was Wednesday night he said it, but, um, basically saying he thinks it's possible the RBA won't cut rates this year at all. Uh, probably on the back of the uh, inflation data out of the US, possibly because of what he's seeing in his business or maybe just making a separate call about the Australian market in particular. But it's worth saying the RBA is kind of... Uh, the, the RBA is funny. They, don't, they won't call it a forecast. They won't call it a promise. They call it their central case is two mm-hmm. rate cuts this year. Mm-hmm. And I get why they won't, because people jump on them in the media, so they've got to kind of pretend it doesn't really exist, even though it's in their forecasts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're saying, here's what's going to happen through the rest of the year. The economy's going to do this, and the going to do that, rate cuts going to be two. We're not saying they're going to be two, we're just saying we think that they'll probably be two. It's like, so- and by the way, every 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 other time we've said that, right? it's pretty much been wrong. <laughs> exactly, but there's that too, right? Um, yeah. But and, and market economists have been saying somewhere between May and November for the first rate cuts. I just thought it was really interesting that Matt Common came out to the command it happened this year. And I don't, I don't, I'm try, I've, I've tried to think through why, if there were any, uh, I'll say self-serving on behalf of CBA reasons. Um, and I really mm-hmm. can't, mate. I, I, I don't, he, CBA has been the most bullish of banks for years. You know, when, 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 the, when the chief economists make their calls and the CEOs speak, Common has regularly, or the CBA as a business, frankly, back to the NRF and before, have, have been culturally, it seems, the more optimistic of the banks. When when Common comes out and says, nah, it might not even be this year, I don't think there's any any self-serving reason to do so other than he thinks it's possible, um, which I just thought was mindful. It just yeah. thought was interesting to, for him to say that. There's nothing to gain, I don't think. Um, I, I don't... May, maybe there's some margin things there that if you convince the other banks he's not going to cut rates, they would either or something. Maybe there's maybe there's some profit margin. I, I can't quite get my head around... That's where I was, I was going. I was going to go with a game theory signaling kind of. Yeah, angle. it may it may well be. But again, he's yeah. not controlling the RBA rates, right? So it's kind of like no, no. maybe maybe fixed rate mortgages. He's trying to get people to keep their rates higher just in case so they can get a bit more cream. I, don't, I really don't know. Um, but it's interesting well, that, that he would stick his neck out and say that. So there's a bit of context here. So CBA is a real standout amongst the the other big four banks, yeah. and um, in terms of how how they've performed. Yep. Um, and the share price just quietly. Yeah, I mean the others are all woeful, and CBA's come good in recent yep. times. I wouldn't buy it just quietly, but anyway, that's just that's, that's another conversation. Um, but what was what was interesting was that they 
and Matt Common said this, I think, at the last set of results, was that mm. the the competition for mortgages was getting really intense. And that's just another way of sort yeah, of saying, yeah. well, we're taking less and less margin or potentially yes. more and more risk to sort of yes. do that. And so they, they, they dialed things back. In other words, they weren't waiving people through at the same rate that they mm -hmm. were before. And obviously, as a consequence of that, they have lost market share. And it's a very deliberate strategy, right? Yeah. Like, why would you lose market share? Yes. Unless you thought, well, to win additional market share from this point is taking mm -hmm. on a level of risk that we're not comfortable with. Mm -hmm. So it's very probably a very uh, prudent move. And maybe you would argue that the entire sector should have maybe taken the foot off the gas a little, a little sooner. <laughs> but it does, does maybe potentially sort of signal to sort of others as a sort of like, he, maybe he doesn't want as much froth in the market. Maybe the person, the people he was here signaling to are potential home buyers, yeah. right? It's like, yeah, possible, well, yeah. rates are not coming down. Mm -hmm, don't go mm -hmm. out there and do it. Don't expect too much. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're not going to take your business, but don't go to the other guys either because we're, we're losing market share here. And I, I don't know. Look, you, you can come up with any number of sort of theories that you want. And again, he's just one guy. He's, he's got no special insight into exactly, yeah. what, what interest rates are, are, yeah. are likely to do or, correct, or otherwise. Correct. So- uh, I don't know. I always, I always think too, I was thinking this during the week, that the thing with interest rates is they're very non-discreet. Mm. In other words, we tend to sort of th see things, you know, they started here, they ended there, and there's just a nice straight line between it. Yep. But usually, I, I always think of it like that saying with war, it's like long periods of boredom punctuated yeah, by right. moments of terror, right? Where yeah, it's sort of yeah. like nothing, quarter percent here, there, lots of mm -hmm. commentary, you know, this and that, but nothing on the settings fronts changing dramatically until it does. Yeah. Until like, you know, last year we had the biggest rate tightening cycle mm. in history, mm. or there's a COVID emergency and we cut at one of the fastest rates in history. It's it, That's how interest rates move yeah. and i think that's what everyone sort of gets wrong because they sort of look at things and go well we're just more or less going to extrapolate where we are from today and interest rates is going to be on this nice easy glide path down to here and that's that's kind of what we think mm. and i just think it's a it's a bad mental model to look at it because that's not how it works it'll probably just stay flat for a while and then either drop dramatically because mm. something pear-shaped is you know trump wins the presidency and starts spending like a drunken sailor and pressing all <laughs> kinds of buttons you know or yep. or or you know, AI gives us an insane productivity boost and the economy goes to the moon. Like, who knows? But but that's probably how it's going to go. So it's an interesting comment from Matt. Um, but yeah, I, we'll see. The other thing that was interesting in it, um, I, I thought as well was, uh, obviously I'm going to say this, but was the increase in non-performing loans. Is that the language that they used? Yeah. Um, and 7,000 customers now formally uh, being provided with hardship provisions by the bank mm. as well, which is a jump of 20% year on year. I mean, it's still small numbers. Oh, let me be the yes. first to add. It's still yeah. small numbers relative to the entire loan book. But again, I would sort of point to the non-discrete nature of things and that mm -hmm. things can shift pretty... You, you can go from one bucket to the other as sure. a client very yep. quickly. Yep. Um, but anyway, that was that was noteworthy. And the other thing that, that stood out and got a bit of uh, uh, play on social media was the... I think they had a slide in there on the impact of savings rates or yes. savings yep. per demographic. And we often, I think all of us are guilty of interest rates up is bad because we've all got a mortgage and we're all struggling. Yes. It's like, well, we forget that there's a very, very significant right. section of the population who love interest rates going up. So I this is namely, yep. Yep. namely the, I look, the, I'll use the term, the boomers, right? Yep. Who bought their properties off, pay their properties off, probably holding a whole bunch of money in, in cash and hey, extra interest mm -hmm. is, is always a nice thing to have. And it was very graph, very apparent in the, in the graphic that they presented. 
Yes. I don't know, I know what my point is other than that no, it's just noteworthy. No. I, it's just well, noteworthy. And, uh, I, you know what's interesting? I think I, I say lots of times when I'm doing media stuff that there's things we know and there's things when you see them in black and white, you kind of go, okay, that's a real thing. And mm. partly that's just, that's human bias. We just, we just, when we see something physically written down or, 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 you know, on a screen, it feels more real or more concrete somehow than the general acknowledgement or acceptance that it's happening. And mm. that's probably frankly a bit of a bias as opposed to even really anything else. Yeah. So we should be wary of it. Uh, but also it's pretty stark when you actually see it. It's almost confirmation of the assumption, which kind of cements it a little more. And you're right, the the CBA put a, a chart out basically showing the change, I think it was change in savings by age cohort. And the the, the, the youngest people had the biggest reduction in savings. And then as you got older, it went from a smaller reduction, then about flat, and then a big increase, or sorry, small increase, then a bigger increase yeah. as you go up the age cohort. And it makes perfect sense, right? Because as you say, yeah. if you're paying more for your mortgage, you're going to save less probably dip into the savings. If, you're, if you've are if got cash in the bank and you're getting more for it, your savings are going to increase because you're probably not spending everything you're getting. There's, there's, nothing, there's nothing even bad or inappropriate about it. It's exactly what you would expect to happen when interest rates change. When, when rates come back down again, those charts will reverse. And, and they probably had over the last 20 years as rates went from whatever to whatever. So none of that is surprising, but the concrete um, display of it, I think, is, is really, yeah. really clear and, and quite sobering. And, and you're right about, look, you and I banged on enough, mate. I, I'm kind of mindful that I don't want to become the, a, a podcast. I'm just saying the same things. Actually, we're already doing that. That ship has sailed, <laughs> my but, friend. Yeah, but no, it's, it's more just that. It's, it's that point of, you know, it's why it is. It was. It has been such an awful thing for the politicians to simply say, "No, too hard for us. Let's let the RBA do all the work to cool the economy." And again, you've got your your thoughts on whether we use rates or not to do it, Ram. And I, I accept that. Uh, but in, in the event, we, the polys know it's going to happen because that's the structure we're in. Yeah. And they simply choose to say we could we could make a difference here, mm-hmm. but we're simply choosing not to. And bad luck. You guys, yep. you guys deal with it. And that's the that's the thing that really strikes me. And I've said so many times, I want to keep saying it, mate, it's not new. You know, there is some sense of boomers versus millennials rubbish or whatever. It's not that, right? Because the boomers were the, were the millennials ages in the 90s when this exactly happened and their parents and their grandparents did well. And, and that's kind of how this works, right? It's, it's, the cycle is not new. The fact we haven't had a meaningful cycle for 35 years is, is why people don't recognize it. But when, you know, the, the, way, the way governments have chosen to manage the economy is to use hopefully the automatic stabilizers of the budget but also monetary policy and when rates go up it helps savers it hurts borrowers when rates go down relatively speaking it helps borrowers and hurts savers that's it's just what happens it happened in the 90s it happened in the 80s it happened in the 70s Mm -hmm. um you know there's a there's a tendency i geez i hate the generation wars gives me the absolute irrits because it's just you know the boomers think the millennials suck and the millennials think the boomers suck and it's like i just i just don't I, well firstly i'm a gen x so gen x is clearly the i know best exactly anyway, well so that's true uh not not ever pays any closed. attention though bastards yeah. uh, but um <laughs> but no it, it is it is that sense mate i think of of you know it always it's always been thus but it doesn't mean we shouldn't try and fix it or change it no, no i think no, what's no. different yeah. this time around is the automatic stabilizers in the budget aren't working because we have a structural deficit. We have, you know, mm-hmm. a, a, a setup that means when the, when the economy is booming, we just scrape over the line for a surplus. <laughs> and when the economy is tanking, we absolutely spend like drunken sailors. And the mm-hmm. net result of that is the stabilizers don't work. Yep. We should have been taking money out of the economy over the last three or four years as we came out of COVID for a whole lot of reasons, including or the pandemic specifically. Um, for how long reasons, including your point about, you know, the, the, the money we've, we've pumped into the economy, both printed and, and borrowed, we should have been paying some of that back as a, as, a, as a choice. 
but the stabilizer should have worked automatically. Say, great, we're spending less on welfare. We're collecting more company tax. We're collecting more income tax. Look at that. Wow, we've got amazing... I've seen some numbers. My speculation is we should have had, we should have had a $100 billion surplus last year mm. instead of a $2 billion surplus. Yeah. Which is everything you need to know, right? That, mm-hmm. that Taking that much money out of the economy at that point would have been great. And people who say, but I need that tax cut. Look at my interest rates. Like, that's the point. Rates mm-hmm. wouldn't need to be this high if taxes and the tax and transfer system was actually reducing demand the way it's supposed to do. That that's yep. that's the conceit. That's the that's the ridiculous thing. And that's when people say, oh, the RBA should do this. And I happens on Twitter all the time. Oh, the RBA this, the RBA that. Don't they know they're killing people? They're raising rates at a cost of living crisis. Like, what else do you want them to do? And again, I, I, I accept you'd say, Andrew, nothing, and that's, that's fair. But mm. in the context of a, a, a policy choice to say, the job of fixing inflation is monetary policy. At, it, they, they are the goalkeeper on the field. The other 11 players in front or 10 players in front said, Ah, oh, we're just going to go have a drink. You go, you'll, you'll look after it, won't you? And mm. they wandered off the field. You know, mm. it, it, they could have had any other influence they chose to have, and they simply chose to have none, which is a pox on both their houses, unfortunately. Well, back to the chart. I think that ex- yes, I think I can explain it. So, okay. politicians are going to play to their base, whatever their base yes. is. And again, I'm not being, I'm not doing the generational wars, but the the, the boomers are a very large, significant, yeah. wealthy cohort. Mm-hmm. And so you, know, you, 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 you're basically going to um, uh, pay a lot of attention to them, more so than you will some millennial who's not that, you know, is, mm-hmm. is, is, is never going to vote for you anyway. I, I don't know. Yeah. It, just, it, it feels as though I know what you're saying. Yeah. Th- that's, a, that's, that's a big factor. Yeah. And it also re- reminds me, speaking of repeating ourselves, of, of the <laughs> bifurcated nature of the, of the economy. Mm-hmm. And we've got to keep this in mind whenever we're talking about raw economic data, whether it's the unemployment rate or retail sales or, or whatever, these higher level numbers are, come from the aggregation of people who are 20 and people you know who, who are living paycheck to paycheck and people who are 70 with eight investment properties and you know a million dollars in cash. And so it, it, I think two things can be true at once when you sort of look at the high level and say, hey, things look pretty good. Mm. But under the hood, it's like, well, actually, yeah, but a significant and growing number of people at the lower end are doing it really tough. Yeah. And again, not to make it about housing, but you, you look at that stress in the housing figures data yeah. From, yeah. from CBA. You yeah. look at, I, I mean, I, I think we kind of, I played it very badly, but our generation kind of just scraped in as to what was yeah. being able to reasonably afford a house. I don't want to be the bearer of bad news. If you're listening to this and you're under 30, you, you will never have a house. <laughs> you will never have a house <laughs> is, the, is the brutal, unless, unless you somehow an ultra uh, high paid person or you, know, you come from a family with a huge amount of Back money. Back mum and dad, yeah. It's, it's kind of like, it feels like a very blunt statement. Like you might yeah. get, be able to get something in Cooper PD, I'm sure that'd be nice, but you're not <laughs> living in any of the major cities within yeah. you know, a two hour commute. That, that is, unless, unless your somehow earnings capacity goes through the roof or prices come down. Now, I feel as though that's a mathematical uh, uh, statement of fact at, at this point. Mm. And, and the trouble is, is that when you, this is what worries me is because these, these kinds of um, asset price appreciations need to be fueled to be sustained. Mm. And when what's coming in at the bottom, you know, where everyone talks about the bloody property ladder and you know my views on that <laughs> hackneyed, horrible no, term. No, really, do you have some thoughts? Uh, but, but that ladder is, yeah. you, requires yeah. someone to come up on the step below you mm. and for the person above you to go up. That's, that's kind of mm. how, it, how it works. Now, if the people below, i.e. the younger people who mm. are coming out of education, getting a job, starting families, saving up money, 
not only cannot buy a house today, but whose savings are going backwards and never will be able to. It's sort of like, again, just to extrapolate, it doesn't lead, it doesn't lead to, I think it just, for me, it suggests that something's got to give at a point, whether that's tomorrow or whether it's in 10 years. Yeah. Like, uh, well, like how I brought it back to a bearish property. <laughs> well, I think that would, I mean, that's, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it gets, Let's, we don't have to get into that debate, but no, I mean, no, I just, no, I thought no, that stood out. I just thought that yeah. stood out from, from, well, well, you see what you want to see, right? Yeah. No, so it's, I was going to say, it's not even a debate. I don't think, I think that's the thing. I, we're, we're on the same, we're on the same page there. The question is really how, how, what the curve looks like from here. I was going to say how it yeah. ends. It doesn't, have to, it doesn't have to end, right? No. A, a, a stagnation, a slow decline, a very slow growth. You, you yep. get to, you can improve affordability in a dozen different ways. And frankly, um, the reality of politics is it's very unlikely to end badly in an absolute sense because politicians are incentivized to make sure it doesn't. So they'll keep the count yep. as far as they can. And maybe eventually it does blow up because it just simply cannot go any further. Or maybe there are some, there's some way of finding a solution that makes a little more sense. And, I don't really know how it finishes, but you're right. That that is the that is the real risk. Um, the the challenge, I think, for for all of us, um, I say for government, like you know, the governments are they're they're the instruments, right? I, I think it's incumbent on us as a an electorate to be a bit more informed and, and vote a bit more sensibly, and that's probably a pipe dream, but that's also what democracy is. We we kind of get, I don't say we get what we deserve because there are structural reasons that you know the major parties win and all that kind of stuff, but mm. frankly. Speaking of politics, um, have a look at some independents and minor parties around you when you're next voting, right? Not because I hate the majors, just because if they're not doing what you want them to do and someone else is going to do a better job, then do that, you know? Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a real... <sighs> I can't, I'll bang on about, bang about Twitter again. I'm trying to make it too self-referential. But the whenever I, whenever I say something, I talked about the... What was I talking about recently? Um, might have been housing negative gear. I can't remember what it was. Whatever it was. And half the people, oh, not half the people, uh, most people engage in good faith, which is awesome. And then there's the two rumps, right? And the two rumps are the ones who say, oh, well, yeah, Labor's not fixing anything. They've been in power. They haven't fixed anything yet. And they'll lot say, well, of course we're like that. The LNP was in power for seven years. They didn't fix it. So now we've got to deal with the mess. Mm-hmm. And it's like, come on, guys, just, just c- can you stop? Can you just literally stop being the ridiculous mouthpiece for your preferred party? You know, I, I don't... It just the it's just it's just ridiculous, right? The opposition party, not not the opposition capital O, but the the, the mob you don't like are not the devil. Your guys are not the angels and the only cho- chance for salvation in the country. It just doesn't work that way. Um, and so I will say to our listeners, if you if you're someone who kind of feels like you need to jump to the defence of your mob or believe that everything the other mob does is terrible. Can you just do me a favor and just kind of just broaden the lens just a little bit, just a little bit. Um, <laughs> let's talk about the issues and the policies and the ideas rather than resorting to, well, of course, Labor always suck or because, of course, the LNP always suck. It just isn't true. The history shows there have been great reforms, great policies from both sides of politics. And I know that makes you feel uncomfortable. That's OK. You are mm. not the party. The party is not you, right? If you're a member of the party, argue for better policy from that party if you need to. But... Don't don't fall to the trap of I need to defend my guy no matter what happens or my girl no matter what happens or or attack theirs because that's just what I do. It's, it's ah so bloody <laughs> frustrating. If you want better thing, here's it. If you want better outcomes, then do better things. Don't just don't just bang on about your mob because trust me, neither party has covered themselves in glory in the last five or six years. Yeah, I mean it's dangerous in a lot of ways. Yeah. Got to get back on topic, but but the when when things are bifurcated and difficult. Uh, and and the wealth gap is increasing. It actually also fuels and um, fosters sort of when you talk about sort of the independent candidates, the more you know out in the edge kind of characters, and and 
some of them aren't going to be there just to advocate for a rational, sensible adult debate on big policy issues. <laughs> There'll be plenty that just say it's all the other, you know, insert right. minority group. Oh, here. To- yeah, totally. It's their fault. And yes. and whether you like it or not, yes. a lot of people are going to resonate with that. Again, uh-huh. exhibit A being Trump is the, is, is the most yeah. obvious one. Yeah. By the way, it, it's odds are at this point, it's looking like a very good chance. Uh, yeah. it's the fa- he's the favorite to be the next president again. So it's sort of, and his policy, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not making this about politics, but to bring it back mm. to um, economics and finance, mm. his stated policy is to spend big mm. on the areas that he likes. You know, again, remembering the context of a very significant budget deficit. Mm. So, and, and you know, these, this is, uh, I guess this is why economics is so important. Wish, I wish people had a better grasp of it because it's sort of, it does reflect on everything in life, in society, in politics, and the rest of it. And and yes, I'm with you. Don't just stick to the major parties if they're not doing you know what you want them to be. Don't be tribal. Look for the candidates that's best going to represent your view. I just hope that it, while this is all happening, we don't see the rise of more populism, which never leads to a good place. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't like to talk about politics. Other than I think there's two there's two ways populism rises but largely one of the things that is totally avoidable is politicians actually being responsible and, and dealing with some of those issues that can then be weaponized by mm-hmm. the the you know the extremes on either side and we've seen that around the world uh, trump on one hand we've seen some extreme left governments elsewhere yep. um you know the unhappiness with the status quo is what gives rise to populism on the left or the right and so whatever mm-hmm. whatever your view is I, I, we, we've talked about this with, with population before. I'm not going to re. I'm not going to re-argue the case. But other than to say, my real concern is I think there are reasonable people with reasonable views on population, and there are other idiots who will choose to use racism and xenophobia and whip up that if the politicians themselves don't address it. Mm-hmm. And that's you know that, that's my my biggest concern is is that we end up in a really ugly situation culturally. We've been there before, frankly. Uh, we all know who I'm talking about. Um, you, you know, once it's left untreated and once the politicians don't address it not even the way that the rabble would have them address it just literally show they are in charge of this stuff or or acting on this stuff it just gives so much oxygen and room for those who say i know you're unhappy i know you're unhappy for this reason i will fix it for you you know in a really ugly way and that that's exactly how these populists end up rising the the i'll be happy i'll happily say mate i think trump is completely unfit to be president not because he's a republican not because he's not a democrat or vice versa um, but because character-wise, I just think he's a he's an unfit person for the office. <laughs> and I say that I say that very. I just, clearly, so, right? so it's so funny that you sort of have to like qualify that. It was like, yeah, yeah, totally right. No, yeah. it's obvious. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Some we get like, it. Oh, he's better than Biden. It's like, well, uh, no. And it's not about Trump versus Biden or Republican. Oh, Biden. Or Biden's like. I don't see all, some of his like uh, senior moments recently. Yeah, like, know, it's a it's a terrible choice. But continue. But yeah, but my point is that that you know the that the Republican Party couldn't find a better candidate than Trump, and that the Democratic Party couldn't find a way to actually and may not again, as you say, find a way to to mitigate that because he's just taking advantage of people's unhappiness and you know peed offness. That's that's how this stuff happens, and we have you know if our politicians get their heads in the sand, we'll end up with something similar if we're not careful. And that's just mm. an ugly ugly outcome. Motley Fool Money. For more, subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. Hey, mate, um, let's let's go back to banks just for a second. And here's another chance for you to whack them uh, as, we, as we move through to, to another topic. Get my whacking stick ready. Get your whacking stick ready. Uh, this is 
So investing in business, these overlap, right? Uh, and there's a lot of lot of rusted on bank shareholders who've done really well for a long time, and so can't he- can't hear that their 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 favourite companies aren't wonderful anymore. The CBA uh, pro- sales, so they call it income because banks don't have traditional sales the way that other companies do because the money's their inventory, but their 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 effective revenue or their net income or sorry, income they call it um, was down by zero point five percent. In other words, they did less business this year than last mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. Their expenses were up by 4%. Their net profit fell by 3%. Still $5 billion, by the way. So no one's crying for them. They're going to be okay. Um, this is a very, very stagnant business. And their net margins actually fell. Speaking of margins, you were beginning to talk about Matt Common. Their net margins fell to less than 2%. Now, 1.99%. But remember, the sheer volume of, of cash they transact, that's a, that's, a big, that's a big chunk of change, right? So... You've got this situation where Commonwealth Bank's going to be probably, we can't give a character, probably going to be completely fine. But it's also fair to say, mate, that that strikes me as emblematic of other earnings we've seen so far this earnings season, which is sales are kind of flattish because the economy is flattish. Expenses continue to rise. And we just talked about inflation and interest rates. And so you are getting this meaningful margin squeeze. JB Hi-Fi had a similar kind of outcome. Their sales were down a little bit. Their costs were up quite a bit and their profit fell 20% year on year. Again, not unexpected, not unreasonably, but it's a it's an interesting kind of look at where we are as a, an economy. And for investors, I think there's two takeaways here. I think the first is, remember these things are cyclical. So the, the, the optimist in me says, you know, you've got to work out where these companies are in, in the economic cycle, how they're being impacted, and what the future looks like for these businesses based on how the cycle might play out. And I have some views on that, but I just want to kind of set the, the principle up first. So that's, that's, the first, that's the first thing. Second thing is just being mindful of what you expect of these companies to be able to do and, and the price you're paying for them, either whether you already hold them or you might buy them based on that. So you look at Commonwealth Bank, uh, the, you know, again, so I said I talk about valuation, trading on 19 times earnings, which is what, made about a third higher the market average, maybe a quarter higher the market average. And yet- yep. Profits, sales are flat, profits are going backwards. Now, again, maybe it's part of the cycle. I'm not saying you shouldn't buy CBO, you shouldn't pay 19 times earnings. Actually, I kind of am. But, uh, but I, don't, I, don't, I didn't mean it for that point other than to illustrate that you'd normally pay 19 times earnings for a business that was growing pretty decently, not, not super strongly, pretty decently and pretty continuously and had a, had, a, had a bright future. I don't know how reasonable that is. So, so there's a CBA point, there's a general economic point. Uh, there's a point about the cycle and frankly what we can and should expect for i would say the next 10 months or so mate, at least eventually we start to cycle on these things and so you can reset your you know your, your kind of growth levels and eventually the economy recovers and you know there probably are brighter times for most businesses but it's worth thinking about what's happening as an earnings season in general i.e flat growth and flat sales growth and and you know expenses going growing faster than sales which is pretty ugly and then and then how much you pay for some of these companies I mean, I don't get it. I don't get it. You said before that long-term shareholders have done well. And I think mm. that I, I, I think amongst our age group in markets, mm-hmm. that is the feeling because of anyone who bought like late 90s, early That's 90s, what, yeah. Yeah. all of the gains came in the first part. The last, totally. 10, yeah. the last 10 years, every single major bank's share price is down. I know there are dividends, but they're yeah. down over 10 years. During a mining boom, right? CBA is uh, different. I was going, okay. Oh, sorry, 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 sorry
property boom. <laughs> got to get my got to get my bubbles and booms all, all uh, straight. Um, uh, but you know what I mean? Like they, now, that you is- said every single bank. CBA is at an all time high, so it can't be every. Sorry, I was about to years. say, except for CBA, okay, cool, it's up fifty three percent over right. a ten year period. So about nice. four point something percent annualized growth with dividends is not terrible. I'm not saying it's terrible, but it's not the kind of returns you would assume in a in a market which is in a frenzied buy yes, of yeah. a, a, a property buying. Um, uh, mania and you, companies are always valued on what people expect mm-hmm. so as you say margins are falling here you're oh i just pulled up the forecast for cba here on comsec and mm. earnings are basically well the forecast they might be wrong but they're all flat yeah you know it's like eight different analysts and <laughs> research houses have contributed to that i mean i, I yeah, guess right. it's not not a crazy kind of outlook mm-hmm. and it's like yeah i know you get a yield but it's sort of the yield I'm getting with franking, if I factor in franking credits, which I should, is better than a term deposit, but not yeah. much. Yeah. Uh, and and it, it doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't mm-hmm. make any sense. Not that the, I think the banks are, are doomed and et cetera, et cetera. It's just that it, it, this part of the cycle at that kind of valuation, given everything that they're sort of saying yeah, is- that's right. Is I don't think- it, I think if you bought them today, you would probably in 10 years time- be, have your head above water. Yeah, I don't know if it would be a market beating return, um, and I think that along the way you could. There's for them to go higher here at a rate that you might be desiring, like a double digit rate, for mm, example. Mm, mm. You need to see extraordinary growth in their income. Yep, and and they're well, actually more than that because they're kind of at a, at a twenty multiple near enough. They're kind of priced for some growth, and and so it needs to be even stronger than that. That pricing. Yeah, I don't get it. Not for me. No, me either. Um, and I just think, I think, you know, it's, and this is where, this is where I think you need to think very thoughtfully about your investing. And I say that thinking thoughtfully is probably a tautology I assume, uh, but you need to be very thoughtful about your investing. There are always going to be examples where prices stay high irrationally. There's an old line about, you know, the market can stay irrational longer than you can remain solvent. Now that's like you're borrowing money, obviously. But, Mm. um, you know, there is no reason CBA can't be trading on a P of 30 in 10 years time. Mm. I'm not saying it should. I'm not saying it will. I'm just saying if it did, yeah, that's- Stranger things have happened. Right. Well, at the end of the day, it's, you know, any price, we talk about supply and demand, you know, if people think it's worth more than it's worth more, or at least, or it's valued at a higher price, maybe it's not worth more, but it's certainly going to sell for a higher price. So, so- the the and you know business like CSL have been expensive forever. CBA has been expensive mm. forever, mm. and they, they 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 trade on trust. The supermarkets have been expensive for a long time. They trade on trust of people's expectations and the the halo effect of being you know what's well, CBA. It, it, it's almost it, you know it, the statement is almost self referentially positive because archetypal blue chip. Right, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's okay. So when we talk about some of this stuff, we're talking probabilistically. In other words, over time. It is unreasonable to expect a business trading at 20 times earnings and that's not growing will remain that way forever. Mm-hmm. The, the, the maths of investing mean that's a terrible, terrible, terrible odds of outcome. Doesn't mean yeah. CBA can't. Now, they can fix two ways. Either the growth could return. Um, maybe we are, maybe this earnings is the worst for the economy. Maybe things tick up from here. Maybe loan growth grows again. Maybe interest rates do get cut. Uh, maybe things look better and we look back and go yep early 2024 that half year earnings that was the low point for cba for the cycle and thereafter they kind of you know the the things that have been headwinds became tailwinds and they do grow and they can justify a 20 pe because the market is right to uh, believe the future is bright or 
the market might <laughs> be completely wrong. CBA grows at very anemic rates for a long time. And, you know, the, the, the P is simply not justified. Now, again, it doesn't mean the price has to fall. Uh, equally, you buy a cheap company, a P of seven, doesn't mean that the price will rise just because the P is cheap. But probabilistically over time, it tends to be true that if you, if you, if you deliver at a, as a business, we say price tends to follow value. If you underdeliver, price tends, not always must, tends to follow value. And that's where for investors thinking about CBA or any other business, if you've got an expensive business on a PE basis or a price to cash flow, choose your metric, doesn't matter, that's not growing, one of the two, generally speaking, will, will, will converge. Maybe both, maybe they meet somewhere in the middle, maybe the price falls, maybe the earnings rise, but just, just be mindful of that kind of reality. And that's, I think, your point, Ram, about the last you know, five years for the banks, it was five, 10 years for the banks, um, they haven't years. grown materially and or they were too expensive to start with. And those things are both true, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we know during the dot-com crash in 99, uh, the Nasdaq fell 85%. Most of those technologies, the vast number of those businesses went on to, to thrive and be worth a whole lot more. Microsoft took 15 years to recover the level of 1999. It's now the second most expensive company in the world Yeah, by market cap, right? So it got there and it wasn't, it wasn't it was a bad business, just that if you pay too high a price, you are going to get your backside handed to you. So just be, just be careful about that. Um, I'm not saying don't buy CBA. I'm not saying sell CBA. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just saying be very careful about how you think about pricing. Uh, and, and if a business is priced for, you know, I talk about but the tidal way in when we started this pod, uh, yeah, the tide's all in for Commonwealth Bank, right? Maybe it goes higher. Of course it can. It can go to 25 times earnings if the market gets excited. Is it likely to? I don't know. Would I bet on it? No. Do I think it's a bad bet? Yeah. So just just be just be careful. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing, by the way, is don't don't be. This is my point, um, or your point, Ram, kind of combined. They've been really great returns over 40 years, but that doesn't mean a they have been recently, or b they're going to continue to be. And it's so easy to get lulled into that false insecurity of like, well, it was great once, <laughs> and and I'm still at my cost base of two dollars and saying, but it's hundred bucks now. I paid two dollars. How can this be bad? It's like, well, that's true. But you don't have to own it forever just because you made money on it over a 20 or 30 year period, which finished t- 10 years ago. There's mm-hmm. a, you, know, you could have at that point said, this price looks high. The growth's not what it used to be. I'll sell that. I'll buy something else. It's the opportunity cost. done even better. Exactly. Yeah. Opportunity cost is exactly what it is. So my best explanation, if I put a gun to my head and say, well, why? The markets, it's very easy. We often, let me start again. We often talk about how irrational the market is. Yes. And it is. Yeah. But it, it can be dangerous to assume everything the market does is irrational. I mean, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes sure. it's you, right? Mm-hmm, and it, mm-hmm. and and so I like to try and play devil's advocate and say, okay, well, well, mm-hmm. maybe the market's right here. Why would the market be right? My best guess explanation is it's a proxy bet on interest rates coming down. Mm. Uh, interest rates coming down. Yes, that will reduce bank margins, but it will probably help fuel another wave of lending. Yeah. And that will be good. Also, the dividend that they're able to pay. Now, even if they don't grow this, they're all offering mm. reasonable yields at the mm. moment. Um, will look comparatively better. Mm. So, if you've got a firm view, and that tends to be the market's more broad view, the bonds mark, bond market's view. Mm. So that that may oh, look. I'm not saying that that therefore it's great, but I'm I'm just trying to put that out there as a as a as a counterpoint. Yeah, yeah. What I would say though, just on the other side of my mouth, um, <laughs> we often talk about PEs and. Yeah, you know it's it's a very um, it's it's a metric without units, and it's a very well what's high, what's low kind of thing. 
If you're new to it, one really interesting way to think about it is to invert it. So rather than P over E, the share price over the earnings per share, do it the other way around, earnings per share over the price. What that shows you, so in the case of a PE of 20, you flip that around, that's 5%. In other words, if you own so just, this- Just let me do the maths very quickly, Matt, sorry. Yep. So um, $20 price, $1 earnings. Yep. 20 divided by one is 20. So 20 times earnings, which is the PE. Yep. The, the, if you flip it around, as you say, earnings divided by price, one over 20 yep. equals 5%. So I just, want, I just want to, just for people who maybe not have followed. No, ones. yeah, thank you, mate. Thank you. And, and so, so, well, that, I think that's easier for you to make a, a judgment on, well, is it cheap or expensive? Because yeah. what it says, and again, like all metrics, there's a lot of you know, assuming this. So assuming that earnings are about the same and they continue to pay out the same, and they, sorry, and they continue to pay that all out to you, or at least have the potential to pay every last cent of net profit out to you as an owner in the business, mm. you'll get 5% on your purchase each year. Or another way of looking at it is there's a 20-year payback period on that. And is that good or is that bad? Well, mm. again, no no value judgment can be made in isolation. What other options are sort of out there? Mm. And I think in a in a even if you wanted to take a nice easy example of a broad-based ETF, I think you or I would both say like we have no idea what will happen over the next 10 15 years or so, but a broad-based index tracking ETF somewhere between 7 and 11% maybe, something like that with dividends included and and, and reinvested. And that's a very easy, low-risk option. So the question is, is, well, if I'm getting a 5% yield over here, and that assumes I get every single last cent of profit and that nothing happens to earnings, is that a good enough compromise to not invest mm. over here, which is much uh, less risky, mm. trading at mm. a better multiple, likely to give me better returns? Um, does that make sense? Is that, is that yeah, like- Yeah, no, it does. Flip, it, really flip it around idea. is what I'm saying. Is, is, yeah. is, and, and that's another, it's an equally valid way to sort of look at valuation. There's plenty of companies I own who the earnings yield would be like 1% because the PE mm -hmm. is so high. Um, but it's only because I expect those earnings are not static. I expect those right. earnings to grow significantly over time. But again, that highlights the point, right? If, if you're buying CBA with an earnings yield of yes. about 5%, yes. you know, are earnings going to grow? And, and the, the, the rule of thumb maths here is like add the growth to the starting yield. So, mm -hmm. you know, if you think that they will grow their earnings on average by about 5% every year and you're starting with an earnings yield of about 5%, 10% not a not a bad total return estimate. Again, yeah. very rough and ready, yes. but it's, it's it's a helpful kind of thing. If you think, well, they'll only grow at 2% per year, again, using our rule of thumb maths, 5 plus 2, 7%. Uh, is that good enough for you? And that, there's no right or wrong here. Maybe it is good enough for you. Mm. Um, but that's the question you need to ask. And you mm. need to ask it in, in, in the context of what other alternatives are out there. So I think we've, yeah, we've, we've laid it on as thick as we can here without offering any advice. But I think our views are, are clear on this, which basically means CBA is going to double from here. You should <laughs> probably buy some options and just go all in. Sell your house, sell your kids. Yeah. Um, mate, let's, uh, let's go from that to, I, I want to kind of take the CBA PL and uh, the JB Hi Fi PL kind of shape, shape, which is a horrible cliche, jargony bit of rubbish. Basically, when I say shape, I'm saying if you think about the, the, the ups and downs, you've got a flat top line, you've got growing expenses, and you've got a falling bottom line. Makes sense, right? If you can't grow your revenues, but you've got more costs, uh, you're spending more money to get the same amount of sales, that must mean your profit falls. We saw it with JB Hi Fi, we saw it with CBA, we're seeing it across the board. Um, with a lot of companies, not every company, there's other companies, different structural places in their, in, their, in their journeys. 
But I, I kind of wanted to to raise it, mate, because at the same time as that, we've seen over the last week, ANZ announced 170 jobs lost in their business bank. Paramount Global, which owns Network 10 here in Australia, uh, is cutting staff around the world, including in Australia. Um, we saw a company director's, I think it was a survey from memory, it might have been a presentation, um, where they had said they expected 2024 to be the year of right-sizing or downsizing, which is always euphemism for sacking people and making people redundant. I guess I just want to flag that, mate, because when we talked about that narrow path that Michelle Bullock's talked about or Phil Lowe talked about before her and the fact she's kind of feeling like we're on it, I'm not necessarily sure they're wrong. And I'm, a, I'm an optimist, as our listeners well and truly know. But it's also true that GDP growth was only 0.2% for the September quarter. It wouldn't take much for that to fall in negative territory. Uh, inflation is coming down, thankfully, but still at 4% is too high. And we saw from the US, no guarantee. It keeps coming down at the rate we wanted to. Uh, and corporately, businesses across the country, not just large businesses, are facing exactly the same dynamics, which is flat sales, growing expenses. How do you resolve that? Well, maybe you go broke. Uh, maybe you just suck it up because you've got good enough profit margins to start with. Or maybe you cut costs, including staff. The RBA has already forecast unemployment to rise, so I think it's 4.5% by the end of the year. Um, and I just, I just think it's, you know... We fixed that on inflation for so long because it has been public enemy number one with absolute justification. But as and when that keeps coming down, we've got to be a little bit careful not to do the George Bush mission accomplished banner on the on the aircraft carrier, right? Because when inflation is done, the economic challenges aren't over. We're still going to have to deal with the implications of those. And and I guess the other thing I want to sort of just lay out for people who maybe haven't been investing or following business for too long is this is also normal. <laughs> we had we had 30 years without a recession, right? Uh, the simple reality is economies boom and bust. And when they do, these sort of implications do come to pass. And so we should expect after a boom, unfortunately, uh, profits suffer, wages hopefully don't fall, but might go, might go up as fast. Unemployment grows. Uh, that's not not exactly planned, but it's very, very, very common. It's it's part of our experience. There's no reason to believe it's not going to happen. Uh, and so, I don't know, I, I, what am I saying this? I'm, I guess I'm saying it because I think we should be prepared for it individually, corporately, uh, as a country, as investors. Uh, you know, don't, don't, be, don't be inclined to think, great, inflation's over, therefore everything's good from here. Um, just, just be mindful there are still some, some after effects, some side effects that are still going to play out in the economy probably and again, I'm no, no forecaster, right? But I, I imagine if we're really, really lucky, things start to improve kind of in the last quarter of the year, I guess. But I wouldn't be surprised if they go into 2025. Yeah. I mean, interesting times. Yeah. Um, you know what I often I, I think of as well is that the, especially if you're like us and you're sort of watching this stuff all the time, mm. you know, you, you forget it feels like, you know, things take ages to sort of evolve on that. But in, when you sort of pan out, things change pretty rapidly. It's only been, what is it, 18 months since the rate <laughs> yeah, tightening right. cycle began. Yeah, that's right. And we kind of saw that and everyone said, oh, it's really bad. That's yeah. going to cause problems. And it kind of yeah. didn't. Yeah. And and it's because we're watching it every day and we're waiting for it and, and nothing really happened. But. Mm. The lag effect, it's been talked about, it's been, there's papers on it, right? Like mm -hmm. the lag effect to these big monetary policy decisions and just general policy decisions in general have this 12 to 24 month lag sort of period. Mm. So, you know, I, I think, especially with some of the stuff you're sort of saying there, it, it's sort of like, 
I, I don't I don't know if if we did it just absorb that massive shock as easily and nonchalantly as as we all perhaps started to started yeah, to think. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So how did so, fine? Yeah. yeah. And then again, it, look, let's just, I'm not, not do predictions, but just hypotheticals. If, if things mm. do get worse on the employment front and the rest of it, you can imagine um, rates dropping very rapidly. Yeah. Um, which I, I basically think at some point they're going to have to do just because of everything. Um, it will likewise take a year to two years for that to sort of yeah. m- maybe sort of start to smooth things over. So. Yeah, it's interesting, man. I, I, I guess my point is though that we don't, we won't get to another thirty-year plateau. So I guess right. I, just want to, I just want to make clear that cycles are cycles; they go up, and that's how these things happen. The absence of a cycle for the last thirty years was was not the new normal; it was the exception that proves the rule. Yeah. Uh, and so you know, when we, we will we will have some rough times. How bad I don't know. Uh, then things will get better, and things will get really really good, and then they'll get worse, and then they'll be bad. And they'll suck any better, and that's how this. It's, it's just how these things go. So it's just it's worth worth bearing in mind. A, they they may get worse, even if inflation gets fixed. Uh, they may then get a lot better, but that a lot better also. So I think four or five years in time, guys, think forward. At that point, don't believe that. Oh, thank goodness that's all over. Now we're fine again. Uh, I'm not saying it's bad, but it's, it, it's not ideal. But it's it is the way these things go. Mm-hmm. Make your peace with the cyclicality. Don't expect that there's great times. There are a couple of bad times, then another 30 years of great times. That's really, really unlikely. Yeah, and it, it comes back to the, the other mantra we often preach about, which is that predict and don't... Pre- uh, sorry, yeah. prepare, don't predict. Yeah, nice. And it, it's, it's always... After a very aggressive period of mm. asset price appreciation, I mean, there always is the would have, could have, should have, should have bought more, should have leveraged more, frankly, <laughs> yeah. and I should have done all yeah. of that kind of stuff. Yeah. And it's always a good idea until it isn't. Yes. And I think... So, I mean... Look, the reality is both of us have no clue. <laughs> like, just make that <laughs> perfectly clear, true. right? Neither yes. of us have a clue as to what's yes. going to be. Yes. Like to wax lyrical and use big yeah. words, but we don't know. No one, no one, no one does. <laughs> but I do right. know this. I know, again, mm-hmm. study history. Yeah. Never a forced seller be. Correct, correct. You know, the people who we all, when, mm-hmm. when we have to take our collective medicine and we all suffer a little <laughs> bit of pain, there are some that sort of have a little bit yeah. of a, a, a rough time and there are those that are wiped out. Yeah. And it's yeah. it, it, you're not there for the recovery because you, as you say, there are cycles. <laughs> it comes back. The people that the people that uh, survive are actually in a good position to benefit from the eventual recovery. Yeah, uh, right. at the expense of uh, well, you know, at the to the advantage of other other people or yeah. to yeah to their own advantage against other people, I should say. So it, but it's very hard to be that person that mm. because to be that person, you you've probably not done as well during the good times, or, or not as well as at least you could have in theory had you been hyper aggressive. Right. Yet it's yeah. a reminder that it is yep. still nevertheless, yep. nevertheless, uh, the the right move. It, it is better to sort of um, uh, miss out on a little bit of upside. But mm-hmm. be but be bulletproof. Then it is to yeah. sort of go all in and just go for that moonshot hail mary and maybe succeed, but only to have it all collapse <laughs> on you a year or two later. And we just it, yeah. just see it again and again and again and again. So again, not not to say don't you know run out buy gold you know you mm. head head to the mountains, but you know <laughs> just just it, it all yeah. when you're analysing a company or when it, whether you're analysing your own portfolio, yeah. the, the economy just always account for the what if and the and the maybe, and just make yeah. sure that you can you can be relatively resilient in that circumstance. It's usually a, yeah. usually nice. pretty good advice. 
Nicely put. Mate, let's finish off with um, some interesting times. Just a quick little anecdote from uh, the week in earnings. Not here in Australia, but in America. Uh, Alice's may know or have used the Uber-like service Lyft. L-Y-F-T is the name of the company. Uh, your, like in, your intro is going to make sense all of a sudden now. Yes, like yeah. uh, like like Uber. Uh, lost a lot of money for a long time trying to build scale. Now, Lyft uh, put out its earnings and said, guess what, guys? Things are going to improve. And the market thought that was good. They said, you know what? This is going to improve by, and they, they meant to say, half a percent or 50 basis points. Now, mm-hmm. a basis point is 0.01% just because people like to do that sort of stuff. So 50 basis points is half a percent or half a percentage point. They, they, they probably said, we're going to improve things. It was supposed to be by 50 basis points. Turns out an errant zero was added, which again, as you say, Ram, was the point of our introduction. They accidentally in the press release said 500 basis points. In other words, margins were going to improve by five percentage points. And uh, that got the market very excited. The, uh, the shares went up 60% in trading, after hours trading, I think it was in the US, until I had to re- put out a press release say, oh yeah, that's zero. Yeah, not supposed to be there. Only 50 basis points. Um, I don't know. I don't really even know what the, well, firstly, just be careful what you believe. Secondly, maybe uh, someone's looking for a new job today. I imagine that the- 100% looking for it, yeah. is not there anymore. Yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's a heck of a thing, mate. Yeah, I mean, I, I said to you off air, it's a, it's a my preferred way to look at these things. Often is what what they call through Hanlon's razor, like never ascribe <laughs> to never ascribe to malice what can be adequately as described by stupidity. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's a bit of a fat finger error, and yeah, yeah, and, yeah. but what a doozy, right? Yeah. Like crazy. Um, huh? And just speaking of crazy, right? Can I just call out just very quickly, Lyft. You can while you were mm. talking, I just I haven't looked at that for a long time. So, you know, their, their revenue is mm. growing okay, you know, very sort of strongly, but, but their losses are pretty substantial, close to a billion dollars in losses every year for the last three years or so. Crazy, hey? Isn't it amazing? I mean, I caught an Uber the other day for the first time in ages. So Uber is a Lyft, but they're in the same sort of bucket, obviously. It was like 24 bucks for a five-minute ride. Oh, and- wow. And it's kind of like, it kind of, well, it always had to be. It was so yeah. cheap, not because like an app <laughs> yeah. just all of a sudden made things super profitable. They, they, their given strategy is go out there as a loss leader, hoover up market share and then ratchet the prices. And we're sort of now sort of seeing that. Um, and yeah, a company like Lyft in an environment like this, that's not the kind of mistake that you want when you're bleeding cash and you're, 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 you're fighting for dominance. Speaking of Kobo and, and, and Kindle, right, too, these right, yeah, ride yeah. shares tend to be – there's just not enough room in the market, I would imagine, for 50 of them, right? So maybe one or two, possibly three players, but one's probably going to have 80% market share. It's Uber, right? Um, so, it, yeah, it, it's, I'm glad I'm not a shareholder in Lyft and – what was it? What was the price reaction? It jumped up thirty percent, sixty percent, sixty percent. Right? Oh, happy to, happy to be a watcher. Error. And then you know, and then corrected obviously. So I'm happy to be an observer and not a participant in that folly. Yeah, it's amazing, absolutely amazing. Uh, I don't know what to do as an investor. What do you do with that? Do you kind of go, "Wow, that's amazing," and jump on? I suppose you do. I mean, it's one of those things. You can say maybe you should have been more thoughtful, or maybe not believed it, or something. But it's kind of one of those things where you know it wasn't unreasonable people to go wow this is amazing they've turned the corner fantastic yeah um there is probably one bit of you know just being a little bit careful with management guidance um generally 
but again, some management guidance is, is legitimate and fair to and does the right the right thing. This wasn't a management overpromising; they just literally screwed up the screwed up the typing, uh, but still the same impact, right? Yep. Yep, it's it's so uh, very quickly. I mentioned this to you off air as well. So mm-hmm. there's a company I own called Ava Group. Um, they had an announcement uh, during the week as well, which was a good announcement, right? Mm. I mean, the, the news was good. The announcement was very poorly handled. So another <laughs> example of like not great communication to the market and investor relations, a bit of a stuff up, more so in the wording and the lack of clarity in the announcement. Yeah. So you had like ostensibly good news, 20% jump in the share price. The ASX said, no, 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 that's not enough detail. What do you mean? They clarified okay. things a little bit more. It's like, well, the, we've got a contract, but it's no minimum spend. And there is a, you know, they can walk away after 20 days, but you know, it's still likely to be a whole bunch of new work we weren't expecting before. Mm. And the share price pretty much came back not far from where it was was beforehand so you know on one hand you, yeah. you like i uh, i often poo poo it like i kind of like the business talk for itself like the yeah. results will speak speak volumes yeah. yeah but but it it can still have a pretty huge impact in in the short term right and mm. it's just amazing that you have these big companies even what on the asx a small company still i think what most people regard as a pretty big you know, multi, you know, tens of million dollars worth of value business can yeah. make these really, really easy blunders. And it, it probably doesn't affect, like in the, at the end of the day, if you're a genuine long-term shareholder and you're not speculating around earnings results or anything like that, it doesn't really make any difference because again, the numbers will speak for themselves eventually. Yeah. Um, but it does. It, it's not. It's not the kind of drama you need in your life as an <laughs> exactly. investor. There's enough drama on the ASX oh. without you guys just like trying to be a bit tricky here. Can you imagine getting the phone call. Oh. I um. I think you made a mistake with the press release. <laughs> the well, shares are up sixty percent. You're gonna have to go and fess up to somebody. Oh. Even oh. then, it'd be like, well, did anyone else check it? Like, really? Mm-hmm. Amazing. Amazing. Incredible. Incredible. Mate, will you come back on Sunday? You know I will. Apparently, strawman.com is open. It, it, I actually by Sunday, if you, uh, it might be closed. So we're only keeping it open for a week. So <laughs> act now, act now. You heard it here first. <laughs> uh, mate, I will see you on Sunday. Until then, enjoy the rest of your weekend and full on. Cheers. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. The Motley Fool operates under financial services licence 400691.